Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 27 of Double Hop Beat, a bi-weekly podcast taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate, and I like the taste of beer. This week, we are marking our one-year anniversary of podcasting. Woo! I can't believe it's been a year. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's it's been quite a ride already, and it's only been a year, so... We're one year old. We're not even stumbling around the living room yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't know. One, one year is it's, ha- it's happening, man. Like this I is, know. this is real. I feel like everything I'm about to say though, sounds like an anniversary or Valentine's day card, like happy anniversary, it's, everyone. It's, it's one year, one year. And it's gone by so fast. I can only imagine where the next 10 years will take us. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's like the typical anniversary card. Sorry, I didn't get you a card or anything for this monumentous occasion. Yeah, you could have got me a beer. That would have been, that worked fine. Instead, you bought. Instead, beer. I bought you beer. Yeah. How does that wet, ladies and gentlemen? I bought Shannon some beer. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm trying it right now. It's called Four. It's from Four River Brewing Company in Maine, and it's uh, I call I say Preble. Is it Preble or Preble? I think it's Preble. Preble. P-R-E-B-L-E. I was not the tasting, so I don't didn't get to get the spiel, but it's a raspberry sour. And as James says, it tastes like the red ones. Yeah, it, this is actually one of our uh, craft beer stores near us, Crafted. Mm-hmm. I frequent a lot, and I was in there, and they had a tasting. And they had a lot of different style tasting, like that I normally wouldn't drink. And sours are one of those styles that I had yet to find a sour beer that kind of wasn't too tart for me. And that was actually the first one that I was like, wow, this is delicious. Yeah, you texted me about it. Yep. And I'm like, I'm getting you a four pack of it, but I'll take one. (laughs) So really like a three pack. Yeah. So having it now, it is, it is very good. It's not tart. Like James said, it's got a nice balance of the sweet raspberries in there with the sour. So yeah, like. Most of the sours that I've tried are just so tart that it's just like makes you pucker when you drink it. Like it's just too vastly mm-hmm. different from what I like to drink. And this was kind of like if I took a bunch of red, you know, raspberries and smashed them up and mm-hmm. ate them. So it's delicious. I like it. Well, thank you for my anniversary gift. You're welcome. Cheers to one year. Cheers to one year. <laughs> Cheers to beers in one year. Yeah. So today we're going to actually be starting our series on beer ingredients. So each week we'll focus on a ingredient that is essential to beer, kind of the basis of what it's all made of. And the series will culminate in an episode about recipe development, so how to build your own recipe and figure out what you want to brew. And as we go through the series, if you guys have any questions that you want to get answered, feel free to send those in and list, and uh, we'll try to answer them. But first, we paid a visit to our friends at Bay State to check out their new tap room. And if you guys uh, remember from our Instagram, we had done a preview of the Bay State Tap Room in Worcester back in 2019. All wow. All the way back. All the way, ba- all the way back. But it was like literally like the December last day of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Ian was there again this time and kind of giving us the, the lowdown of how their opening went. And it's go- going really good. It was packed. The place was really busy. Mm-hmm. And it was during the day that we went as well. Yeah, it was Sunday. It was a Sunday. So that's really good that um, they're getting that traffic, which um, breweries need to pretty much get get everything going that they want to have. Well, and it was also a hockey tournament was going on. So they had a lot of the parents 
and families from from that in the brewery, which was really nice to see. Yeah, they even had a very unique beer that oh, yeah. <laughs> that we had, had to try. It was a beer made of beets. It's called Shroot Farms. Shroot Farms after uh, Dwight and his Shroot Farm from the off the show The Office. Yeah, his beet farm. So it was pretty neat to see like a, you could actually brew a beer with beets. Not exactly our cup of tea yeah. or our beer of choice, we but said, we told we said we were honest and it tasted like dirt. But well, you said correction. Shannon said it no, tasted you agree like dirt. With me. I but, said it tasted like beets. But if you like beets, I think this would be a good beer for you. Yeah, we, we're not beet lovers like, in general. So, as uh, the brew tender explained, like people who love beets love the beer, and people who don't love this particular kind of beet won't like the beer. Yeah, if you don't like beets, you're probably not gonna like it. But but it was still pretty awesome that they tried something different. Yeah, and it was just really cool to see the progress from when we had been there last time. Everything, especially the downstairs, was pretty much an empty shell. The really the upstairs is the only thing that was semi finished when we were there last time. So it was really nice to see the mug club wall and where they have all their different uh, t shirts and beer and everything. Um, so that was really cool to see. I liked the progress. Yeah, and of course, uh, Becky likes the smell I had to get, yeah. and um, also the um, Kelly Squared, mm-hmm. which they didn't have. They ran. They actually ran out on tap yeah. um, because the night before Saturday night they were so busy that you know they ran through beer like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I got some some to go. You did in cans. You're excited. We also got to catch up with our friends that we met at a brewery almost a year to this day. Or No, it was in August. <laughs> okay, so, well, it's coming up. It's coming up. Oh, yeah. uh, so we went to Lost Shoe Brewing in Marlboro, uh, where we just love to hang out. It's kind of like our mm-hmm. casual spot that we go to to just kind of sit there, relax, and... Yeah, listen to some music. Listen to some music, or... Get uh, some coffee. Coffee. Soda. Beer. All of the above. Yeah, just a, a cool, chill vibe to hang out with your friends. So, good times. So, how about yeast? What about yeah. yeast here? So, this week we are going to focus on yeast. It's so exciting. What is it? How does it work, James? Everything you need to know. And some literature that we found to be most useful, I wanted to uh, let all the listeners know in case they are going to be more interested in the topic after this episode and want to do some more research on it. Um, is the One of the book is called Yeast. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation. And then the other one is the Fermentation, Cellaring, and Packaging Operations Volume 2 from the Master Brewers Association of America. Yeah, these are the the books that I really found helpful when trying to learn as much as I could about brewing and mm-hmm. beer. And, and a lot of these texts are actually used. So when you go to brewing school, um, and that's actually how I found out about these books, is I was asking around of people who came out of um, different brewing programs and different classes and stuff. And these are the the books that they suggested that they use when they're trying to teach their students about brewing. Yeah. And if you want to open a brewery. Uh, and what I like about the, the Masters Brewers Association of America one is it has different volumes. So it breaks it up nicely into like raw materials. And then it does volume two, which is what we're going to be talking about fermentation and it just goes into different volumes so they make it really easy to just pick one section graduate from that kind of like building the foundation from the kind of encyclopedia yeah except like encyclopedias were like 500 pages and no they were multiple volumes and volume okay all right volumes sure 
I'll give you that by the volumes. But yeah. in terms of like length, like the it's very easy read. Like it's not one of those technical tech textbooks that mm-hmm. you know you're gonna just put pick up and use as a paperweight. You know. Yeah, I would say the book Yeast is very comprehensive and goes into really great detail about yeast. So if you're interested in the cell structure and all that. I would definitely recommend picking it up and reading more. Um, we're going to probably do a little bit more high level, but not as technical as yeast, the book. Yeast, the book. The book. So what exactly is yeast? Well, yeast like, is a single-celled organism classified in the fungus category. You love your fungus, Shane. Yeah, and you don't, so I feel like you shouldn't like beer. Yeah, well. I'm just going to put that out there. Bacteria, yeast, you know, all that stuff, just um, whatever, you know. And it's probably one of the most important ingredients in beer. It's the most important ingredient. I'd say it's one of the most. How do you get alcohol if there's no yeast? I mean, without yeast, you wouldn't have beer. So, so it's the most important. Yeah, I guess so. Because yeast's favorite food is sugar. Mine too. Sugar is your favorite food. It is. I, I mean, I'm I, actually not surprised. I put sugar on everything. Everything. No. I mean, you eat Swedish fish like. I was going to say like it's candy, but it is candy. (laughs) You eat Swedish fish like it's candy. Yeah. That's like I drink beer like it's beer. It's beer. True. So yeast eats all of the sugars, and that's what causes fermentation. So that's why it is the most important ingredient, James. So the sugars contained in the grains that you have in your wort, so when you boil up all the grains... Why are you, like uh, like you don't that? boil up the grains. Okay, well, you you enlighten me. I'm the beer intermediate here. Basically, the, the greens have the sugars, and what you're going to be doing when you typically brew your beer is when you have all the greens together and you have the hot water that goes through it, you're basically taking all those sugars out of that green and you're breaking it down. And then it's called wort. And then it's right? called the wort, okay. yes. So then you pitch the yeast exactly. into the wort and well, the sugar, right? Well, yeah. So at the so in the brewing process, after you have your wort, you're right in that aspect. You're going to have the wort, and then you go through adding all your hops and all that stuff, to go through the boil, then your mash out of the actual brewing process. When you're done with that, that's when you have the wort, and it's ready to be cooled. You cool it, and then it go about to go into your fermentation tank, and that's where the wort, you add, pitch your pitch yeast. Pitch the yeast. Yeah, pitch it, like a baseball player. term. Yeah, pitch <laughs> it in there. You pitch it in. And then the yeast breaks down all the sugars that's contained, uh, that it comes out of the grains that's extracted when you're doing all the other process. And it creates uh, ethyl alcohol and carbon dioxide gas. And that's Yay. why it's really important um, once you're done with your mash out, if you do a mash out or after um, the boil and the mash out and everything, to just before you go to um, transfer that wort to your fermenter, you want to make sure um, before you sparge that uh, all your sugars are converted and that's where an iodine test um you can a simple test you just take a little sample of your wart um you place a droplet of iodine on it and if it changes the color um it so it should change the color to kind of like a brownish color Mm -hmm. uh and that means that you've converted most of your sugars which you want awesome thanks for that tip james so that's another step to make sure that that yeast is going to get that sugar it needs Mm -hmm. and so when this uh, process happens the beer is provided with the alcohol and some carbonation. And I did not know. I was just thinking fermentation is fermentation, right? But there's actually five stages to fermentation. So there's the lag, the growth, the stationary, 
flocculation, which is my new favorite word in this research that I've done. Flock, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna flocculate you. <laughs> and I think you'd get a couple couple looks there. <laughs> it's just a funny term. Flocculation uh, nation. Yeah, flocculation, and then dormancy and death. Dormancy death. Yeah, dormancy slash death. So the lag phase starts when the yeast is pitched and the yeast absorbed the oxygen from the wort. So it just like gets all the oxygen inside its body. So this is where if you're um, a home brewer and if you're, you're brewing your first batch and like after like a couple hours, you're like, what the heck? Why isn't this? Why isn't the airlock, which why you put on top, going? why is it not bubbling up to signify that you're starting that fermentation process? Mm-hmm. That's where you're in the lag phase. So don't, don't panic. It could t- take probably it could take a day. Um, depending, it all depends on the beer style you're brewing and also the yeast that you're using as well. Yeah, the yeast is warming up. It's like stretching it out. It's getting ready for its workout, doing some, you know, quad stretches. It's, it's getting ready to do what it's got to do. So then in the growth stage, the yeast is like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I need to find some food around here. So it starts to eat all the- <laughs> I'm always, the- I'm always hungry. It's always the growth but. Yeah, stage. so you're growing. You got to put all that stuff inside you. So it starts to eat the sugars, the amino acids, the vitamins, and the minerals that are in the wort. And during this phase, you'll get most of your beer's flavors, carbon dioxide, alcohol, and heat. And the heat is produced kind of like as a byproduct of the energy yeah, of the Yeah, because we're all yeast. sweating. We're all like working out oh. to eat all the... <laughs> She's just go- about to go on like a full wrap, I feel like. She's just going to start rapping about the no. yeast. I'm just... There's like little cartoon yeast in my head that are like... Got like sweatbands on and they're eating all the sugars. They're cute. So once the feast is over, once they're like, oh, I've got now I've got a food baby. The stationary phase begins because you got to rest. <laughs> so oh, during, God. James is loving my analogies. So during this phase, toxic compounds such as alcohol and carbon dioxide build up inside of the liquid. And then the yeast. Flocculates. So basically what flocculation means is that it clumps together. So once the yeast is done doing what it's going to do, they all kind of get together in a little huddle, and then they either rise to the top of the batch or they sink down to the bottom of the fermenter. And each different strain of yeast flocculates differently. So it depends on what you're using in your brew. And if it fails to flocculate properly, because I just want to say flocculation all day long, <laughs> then a beer can be cloudy. Uh, the and word of the day is flocculation. flocculation. I know. I feel like I'm going to spelling bee. Um, so what's it, if it doesn't flocculate properly, then the beer can be cloudy and have a yeasty taste, which I imagine to kind of be like bready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some beers like English style, you want to have like a breadiness to it, like a flavor. Mm-hmm. So the yeast does play a big role in that. Yep. And then the last phase is dormancy and death. So this is why, why it's really important <laughs> when um, your primary fermentation is over and you're ready to either put it in the kegs or um, to bottle and then bottle condition your beer. If you have a fermenter that has the valve on the bottom, it's always good after the first 24 hours um, that it, the yeast it has fermentation has uh, been completed that you want to um, release all that sediment of yeast, that yeast cake out of the bottom. And it's typically about like one to three pints worth if you're on like a five to 10 gallon mm-hmm. homebrew stage. It could be more depending on the size of your fermenter. How do you batch. know once it's all out? 
it's going to look like a lot of clumps in there, and it's going to be exactly like hazy, bready, like yeasty. Like the sm- you can smell it too. It mm-hmm. does have a distinct smell, uh, but you you'll know once it doesn't look like beer. You're you're good to go. But I usually just flush it, do a couple you know a couple pitchers mm-hmm. worth or a pitcher's worth, filled up to the top, and I'm I'm good. Can you reuse that yeast? You can. You can okay. Uh, but again, that it gets a little complicated if you do that, because then you have to check the cell counts and make sure the yeast stays healthy. You're gonna need a stir bar, and you want to keep it warm. And Strider just doesn't like that at all. <laughs> He's like, I don't like yeast. He's like, oh, yeast. And I think, actually, I saw in the yeast book that there is kind of some information on if you wanted to cultivate your own yeast or save that yeast, there's a process in there. So if you're interested in that, feel free to check out yeast, the book. <laughs> yeast, the book. So if you didn't know, James, there are actually two main species of yeast that are used for fermenting alcohol. Now you're getting to my kind of talk. Yeah, I know you're a biology guy. So the first one is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Saccharomyces, yeah, baby. Yeah. So also known as ale yeast. Ale yeast, eh? Ale yeast, yeah. Ale <laughs> yeast, hell yeah. <laughs> ale yeah. Uh, and this is also the same strain that's used, or the same species used in uh, bread and wine. So it's multifaceted yeast. And this is going to be a top fermenting uh, yeast, which means it's going to rise up to the top of your fermenter during the fermentation process. And that's going to create that foam on the top, and it's called the yeast head. And that's where you've seen, I know I've seen this many a times, where the fermenter will just be overflowing, and it will, could actually burst out your mm-hmm. uh, the top of your, top of your fermenter. <laughs> And just create a mess, and it just doesn't look very pretty. Yep. So that's where if you're going to brew a bigger beer, a.k.a. a beer that it's going to require more vigorous fermentation. I like vigorous. That's a good word. Fermentation. Vigorous flocculation. Flocculation. Uh, you're going to want to use a blow-off. So that's basically you're just going to use um, tubing to go into a container to, of your – with. St- you know, your sterilized mm-hmm. uh, solution sanitizer. and the sanitizer. Yeah. So that way, instead of using just the airlock on the top, you're anticipating that that's going to rise up and all that, that foam and potentially beer is going to go into that. So. Yep. And so for this uh, species of yeast, the yeast will start fermenting at a higher temperature, which is around 10 to 25 degrees Celsius, or for us Americans, because we don't know the metric system, 50 to 77 degrees Fahrenheit. That's right. Yeah. And it'll ferment for about three to five days. So these yeasts um, are considered easier to maintain because of the temperature. And it's best for home brewers who are just getting started to use this strain of yeast or this species of yeast. Another fun fact about ale yeast is it produces more alcohol and esters. Yeah. And most people are like, what's an ester? Is that a lady? Is that a lady? Yeah. I was just going to say, is Esther the name of I a, work with our neighbor? Esther, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, ester is a compound formed from organic acid and alcohol, uh, and that sometimes provides the fruity aroma and flavors in beer. In the ale yeast, you might be asking what kind of beers typically use this kind of yeast. Any kind of ale, porter, stout, all beer, Kolsch, and wheat beers can use this style of yeast. So it's pretty much the kind of yeast, even though there's many, many varieties, many, many, yep. I can't say that enough. There's so many strains and varieties 
Um, but ale yeast is like the base, is what you'd say. Mm-hmm. And fun fact alert, James. Dun dun dun. Fun Ooh, fact with Shannon. Uh, in 2013. <laughs> oh God, you're going way back. That's if I was talking like 2019, as far back, yeah, like man, back. you're like. Yeah. 2013. 2013. Yeah. Oregon made the Saccharomyces cerevisiae the official state microbe because of the role that craft beer has played in the state's economy. That's cool. Yeah, really and cool. they're actually the first state to have an official microbe. So you can use that in trivia or to impress all your friends when you're talking about biology. Said no one ever. You never know. I probably will. So there is another species of yeast. The lager yeast. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want me to try to say the name on that one? Go for it. The Saccharomyces. (laughs) Saccharomyces. Pastorianus. Which was named after Louis Louis Pasteur. Pasteur. Yeah. Pasteur. Uh, Because he actually was the one that kind of figured out what yeast does. So that's why it's named after him. And so like James said, it's a lager yeast. And that one ferments at 7 to 15 degrees Celsius or about 45 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit and ferments for 15, sorry, 5 to 12 days. Yeah, and lager yeast is going to be a cooler temperature, as Shannon mentioned. And this kind of yeast is a bottom fermenting yeast, which means there's going to be less surface foam, the temperature is going to be lower, and so it's not going to grow as rapidly as that ale yeast. And when the Yale, wow, when the Yale, yeah. (laughs) When, when the yeast uh, becomes dormant, it's going to settle down at the bottom. Yeah, so never really, because it's a lower temperature, it's not going to be as rapid and like that a lot of foamy motion like the ale yeast has. So it uh, usually never actually like reaches the top. So there's a very little amount of foam, like you said. And lager styles um, are used to make pilsners, box, American malt liquors, and Marzins. marzins. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I never really, I never realized there were two different types of yeast. I just thought it was yeast. Just one all-encompassing yeast. Yeah. yeah. But I think maybe one of my, well, I don't know if it's my favorite yeast, but. Shane's got a favorite yeast now. This know. is getting well, weird, guys. This I, is getting wild. It's not, it's not my favorite because I don't really think it actually applies. It's more kettle sours I like, but wild yeast. But it's like, he's gone wild. Did you think, Shan, in your entire life that you would be talking about yeast to people in the United States and abroad about yeast? Would you ever think of a situation where you'd be talking about yeast? Uh, only when talking about baking bread. <laughs> that would be a fun. Let's, let's have, have a podcast a bo- about breaking, <laughs> baking bread. Breaking bread. Breaking bread with Shannon. Da, 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 breaking bread with Shannon. That's the jingle. Yeah, that's I think, it. I think we need to work on that. <laughs> it's it. You'll rise with what? Rise with Shannon baking bread. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> no listeners. Great. Zero. <laughs> They're all gone now. What is wild yeast? Wild yeast is any strain other than the specific brewery culture yeast. So it's not very desirable because it can't be controlled. Yes, and this could also contaminate your bre- whole brewery if these wild yeast get into your brewery because they can travel on dust particles Mm -hmm. and it's airborne. So if your brewery's open, then it can get into you. If you don't have good cleaning practices, they can get inside your tanks and pretty much contaminate your entire system. And it's also called the killer yeast for that reason, because Mm -hmm. they have toxins that can prohibit the growth of your yeast that you or in your beer that you actually want to produce. Yeah. 
But I think there are some breweries that intentionally do this because they want to get that those different flavors to kind of experiment a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, it's actually the Allagash Brewing uh, does this, and they call it their cool ship beers. And traditionally, there was a Belgian method of spontaneous fermentation. So this is where they would take their hot, unfermented wort, they cool it overnight using outside air temperature, and they pretty much have like a large, shallow pan, and they call it a cool ship. And during the cooling, it naturally, all the natural micro or biota, say, from the air inoculates the beer. And in the morning, it's transferred into probably wine barrels or whatever barrels they're going to store it in. And this take the fermentation and aging can take years. Wow. So it's it's a lot slower of a process. And it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get. It's whatever is in the air. So it's just a very unique flavor. It's kind of like the white airheads that are like not. The mystery. The (laughs) The mystery mystery flavor. flavor. Wild yeast mystery flavor. Yes, like the the Belgian style, like the. Burler wise, like that was mm-hmm. one of those methods of using um, yeast to make very unique flavors for a beer. Wow, that's a chancy endeavor, I feel like. And this is way before the craft beer scene. Bel- Belgium and Germany so were the impressive. home of the wild ales. Home of the wild ales. Sounds like a mascot of some kind. Yeah, so if you've brewed with any any kinds of sou- made any sours, let us know how they came out. For sure. Some of the um, companies that I use when I um, are brewing the yeast, anyway, the companies I use, Y Yeast, I've used Omega, I've used Imperial, and White Labs. White Labs is pretty much the standard of they've pretty much done incredible re- amounts of research and lab work to really get different strains of yeast. And it's not just like you want, you know, your. Regular ale yeast, it's like they have it down to like numbers, categories, what flavors, the attenuation that you're going to get, the temperature, everything, like statistics, like beyond what you would possibly need as a home brewer. And like we've been saying, there's a ton of strains of yeast. um, And White Labs actually has a cool, it's like a chart of all the strains. So you can look at that and just kind of pick and choose what kind of flavors you're looking for and what used to be best for that, what the temperatures um, when you're building your recipe. So that was a really cool graphic that I saw they had. It was very helpful. And if you're starting out in home brewing, I know my first couple batches of my brew, I've, I used dry yeast, which mm-hmm. was little packets of yeast that you then um, reconstitute. So you'd basically add your wa- mix it in with the water solution mm-hmm. um, before adding it into um, your wort. Um, but most of the time now, I just use liquid yeast. I've had really good luck with Omega and Imperial brands. Um, and I think I've done a couple Y yeast um, brands of the yeast as well for the liquid. Uh, there is going to be a cost difference. So it's like you pay, it's about probably half the cost if you go with the dry versus uh, the liquid. But I, I just think that I get um, better fermentation out of my liquid yeasts. Um and I've, I've just, I live by that. So uh, the next stage is cultivating your own yeast and reusing yeast. So that's kind of where I'm at now of trying to experiment with Ooh. getting in. You know, it's just something that you actually have to, you have to have, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, you're going to have to have a stir bar. You're going to have to keep it um, like temperature. You're going to have to keep it you cool. Watch it, right? Yeah. And you, you want to make sure the cell counts are there to actually um, produce enough yeast 
that will be happy to eat that wart. Happy As to go to their feast. Soon. Happy to go to Shannon's feast. Gorge themselves on sugar. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the last thing we have for you, James, which I guess you're probably going to know the answer now, is a vocab word. And it's attenuation percentage. So this was actually one of those questions that I first thought of when I was brewing because all the directions say like, oh, the attenuation percentage. And I'm like, well, what the heck does that mean? Like, it's not alcohol percentage, but it's like the sugars that are consumed yeah, by the yeast. The percent of sugars. So for it's usually between 65 to 85 percent. I've, pre- I've pretty much done around like the 70s, I think, is the ones I've used. Um, but again, it's it's a nice to know. And when you get more technical into brewing and you're really trying to get down a recipe, that is something you want to pay attention to. But if you're just starting out in home brewing, it's you just make sure that you keep the temperature for the yeast happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to make sure that you've just added enough um, of the nutrients to your to your beer. Yeah. Happy yeast, happy beer. <laughs> happy yeast, happy <laughs> Happy yeast, happy beer. Oh, gosh. Okay, so next episode in this series, we'll be covering malts and grains. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Double Hop Beat Podcast. Follow us on our Instagram for our latest homebrewing and craft beer adventures. Direct message us at Double Hop Beat Podcast to share your experiences and become part of the pulse of brewing. You can also listen to us on our website, www.doublehopbeatpodcast.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Cheers by rating and reviewing us. This This has been Double Hop Beat. Catch you on the brew side. side.